Your Money Replay from Money FM 89.3. Influence with Michelle Martin on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3. Algorithms, they're the silent, invisible hard workers in all our lives. They power how Netflix knows that I will probably enjoy Two Popes and the series The Titans and those algorithms were right on both counts or how given my past choices on Amazon, a sophisticated algorithm turns out a recommendation calculated to predict which books I would most likely buy. In his book, Probably Approximately Correct, the renowned computer scientist Leslie Valiant says computation has always been the dominating force on Earth within all its life forms. Nature speaks in algorithms. Turing Award winner for 2020, Professor Leslie Valiant is my guest today. He's a computer scientist at Harvard University and his groundbreaking research has been fundamental to the development of machine learning and artificial intelligence. It's a great privilege to welcome you here to Singapore and influence Professor Leslie Valiant. Thank you very much for inviting me. Good morning. So you are here to attend the Global Young Scientist Summit 2020. That's right. And what has your field been of the young minds that you've been in touch with? Well, I'm very impressed. It's a very varied uh, group of students from around the world, and they're very enterprising and interested in diverse uh, parts of science. So it's impressive. Professor, you know, when we hear of AI, we often think of AI beating the world's best Go player, perhaps, or mastering games like StarCraft II. What are some of the ways that artificial intelligence is poised to shape much of humanity? Well, maybe if I could go back to what artificial intelligence is. Yes. So if you want to automate some task where you say someone's job, where you can actually write down exactly what they, you know, how they process the information they have to get what they do, then that you could have automated a long time ago. So what's new is that now we can automate things which, uh, where you only have to show examples of, of your work. Okay, so for example, if a doctor shows examples of, of the data about the patient and the correct diagnosis, then if you give enough of these examples to a machine, the machine has some chance of being able to uh, predict for new patients what the right diagnosis is. So, it's, uh, so the, what, what's new is that any task which you can define by lots of examples of good behavior, you, you've got a chance of uh, automating. So what can computer science tell us now about the kind of jobs that machines will be able to replace humans in, in the near future or even currently? Essentially, what I told you, that as long as you can define what the task is, either as a set of rules... Is that called or, supervised learning? Yeah, supervised learning is when you do it by examples. Then you can automate it. But getting all the data which defines your job may be difficult. So technically, it may not, may not be such a tri- trivial task. And of course, it's not a trivial question whether people w- want the machine to do it rather, rather than you. So absolutely, so, so a lot of human choice involved in. I was reading about how a team of scientists at the University of Vermont and Tufts uh, in Massachusetts have used a supercomputer to design novel life forms. So can robots really build other life forms? Okay, so I'm not, not familiar with that. Okay, so I'm not quite sure exactly what so they mean. These by are AI-designed biological bots. Yes, so uh, okay, I'm not quite sure what's involved in that piece of news. But again, if there are lots of examples of something, then you can use that information to design something similar. Professor, give us a sense of how quickly AI is progressing. AI is here now. So this kind of AI, learning by examples, is here now. And there are unlimited number of applications. There are also questions of where the science wants to go next. So this isn't all of uh, intelligence. So, for example, uh, what learning by examples is, is that you train a program to give a certain output for certain input. But humans learn in different ways. So we go to college, for example, and we learn many things and we don't know how we're going to use it. 
Whereas in this learning by examples, when you train, you know exactly how you want to use the information. What we're good at is to learn lots of information, and then when a new situation arises, we somehow put together the relevant parts and, and do some reasoning. Okay, so that part of AI is also possible in principle, um, but it's not quite there yet technically. So the model for computers still remains the brain. Is Philosophically, is the brain still the best model for com you know, computing? Well, how I would phrase it is that um, there's a distinction between you know, what is being done and how you do it. So as far as what is being done, I think almost everything computers do are things which biology does already. So flying, you know, we've got the idea of flying from birds. Um, but how it's done mm. uh, can be totally different. So again, so in artificial intelligence, it's the same thing that we get, we get the idea of, of uh, supervised learning or reasoning from the fact that humans can do this. But uh, the machine won't have to do it the same way as, 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 as humans do it. Are there still mysteries as to how parts of our brain work? Yes. So that's a different question. So we see what we, what we, what we do is it's easier to see than how, how we do it. So what we do is the important thing, and we try to replicate that by machine. Mm. But a different question is how we do it. Yes. That's interesting as far as ourselves. And uh, there there's uh, amazing ignorance. So, for example... Um, You know, you probably rem remember what you had for dinner last night and who you were with, but no one knows how many neurons you have changed in your in your brain to store this memory. So it could be 10, it could be a thousand, it could be a million. So there's enormous amount of ignorance about that. And so these gray areas in terms of how our minds work, um, does that also translate to challenges in terms of um, um, how far we can take machines in terms of learning? Um, I, I think they're separate questions, I think. Um, if you can define what you want to do, then um, you figure out the best way of doing it by machine. And since our brains are so different uh, from uh, digital computers, they, it's very unlikely that we want to use the same methods. So for decades, scientists have tried to make robots more human by designing computer algorithms that allow them to learn. I read how Google was designed to mirror how the brain learns, but I understand you believe that some of the same rules that govern the way computers learn can be found in us. So is our work with computers helping us understand how we work or how we evolved as a species even better? Well, there are some parallels, but sometimes the parallels are exaggerated. So, uh, so evolution does interest me, biological evolution, Darwinian uh, evolution. And again, in that area, there are um, many open questions. So for example, there's no theory which explains how fast evolution works. So it's not clear why the, what we believe to be the age of the earth was enough time uh, for evolution to come to where we are. It clearly was, but there's no explanation in the sense that we, there's nothing to simulate. In most sciences, if you understand it really well, you can simulate it on a computer. And in evolution, there, there's still questions. And so, so understanding evolution as a kind of a computational mechanism is something which is, I think is a very important uh, scientific question now. Professor, what are the key questions that you are trying to answer or solve for currently? A major one is one I alluded to already is how to push artificial intelligence forward to extend its its reach. As I said, uh, what humans are good at is to learn lots of information, often very uncertain information, 
um, information which isn't written down anywhere, isn't formalized anywhere, so information we learn even as, as children, um, and somehow put together this disparate piece of information so it still makes sense, you know, that it's very uncertain information, but we can still make good decisions. And uh, so computers are, aren't so good at this yet. In your opinion, Professor, which countries are ahead in the race for AI dominance? Well, again, I'm not quite sure whether I like that question too much, because uh, one thing about AI is that it's very transportable. So the algorithms everyone can access, even software everyone can access, um, data uh, is, uh, and it flies across the Internet as well. So, so I think any country can make significant contributions. Mm, mm. Uh, so the idea that you know, some countries are ahead it's probably, it's probably misguided. So if, probably a, if there's a group who wants to build a system which is more advanced than anywhere else to solve a particular problem, they've got a good chance of doing it wherever they are. I wonder if you can share with us what, in your opinion, has been your most significant discovery with perhaps real-world applications that you can describe. Well, in, in this area, so I was involved in the early work on, on, on supervised learning, on defining what it means and what you, defining what, you, um, what an, a learning algorithm should uh, achieve uh, before you declare it successful. So one big feature is that, uh, that all learning has to tolerate errors. We're going to make errors in a complicated world. Yes. But you want to control the errors, which means that if you make more and more efforts, you take more and more data, you compute more and more, they should be able to drive down the errors. So quantifying this in machine learning is a kind of a quite a basic aspect of, of it. So you're also a professor at Harvard right. University. I wonder if anything that we're seeing now in terms of machine learning can further down the line be translated into improving the way we learn. Well, if you, if you mean changing education. Yes. <laughs> Yes, so certainly education is, must be the biggest potential area of application for, for AI, but uh, how to do it isn't so clear. So machines which are sensitive to individuals' knowledge and the individuals' knowledge at any instant, you'd think would be able to interact better with an individual than students being in a large class. So I think all this you know, has possibilities, but you know, it takes a lot of effort to implement these things these things. So it's, uh, it's maybe within reach, but you have to make a significant technological So you effort. don't see significant change in education too soon in the near term? Well, lots of things are being tried. So for example, a few years ago, there was discussion of MOOCs, you know, of maybe, so why do we need you know, thousands of uh, people giving courses, say in programming or algebra? Maybe there will be one super professor who gives some, records a course and the whole world will use it. But I mean, that hasn't happened for a variety of reasons. So it's um, um, so these things depend on what, on what people want. Well, thank you very much for coming by and chatting with, with us this morning. Professor Leslie Vallian is an eminent scientist and the Turing Award winner for 2010. Professor, thank you. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.